Hello and welcome to another Floodlights. This week on the show, the festive period's in full swing and Spurs have begun the season of giving by delivering a Mourinho masterclass to an Arsenal team who need to ask Santa for a couple of wins. <laughs> Inspired by half-time substitutes, Manchester United produce another second-half comeback, forcing us to ponder how good would United actually be if Oli could pick the right starting eleven in the first place. Nice to see the end of Leicester's blip as they beat a Sheffield United team that my dad described as being the worst lot he's ever seen. Should beautiful Giroud change his name? Remember when Everton were at the top of the league, Dan Fans are back and Connor Cody's a diver. My name's Darren Scott. I'm here with Bailey Hutchinson and Chris Ringham. Boys, a very happy festive period to the both of you. Oh, yeah, we're back. <laughs> Great we're start back. to December. Great start. <laughs> Thanks. How are you both? Yeah, just just recovering from that disgrace um, that was that was the, the West Ham United game um, still. I love that you've just got straight. Fans are back this weekend and you've got stuck in like the cop end did. Booing Connor Cody. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought that was a bit much, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, up, we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, but you, you, I suppose the best place to start, Christopher, and you mentioned that there is, is Manchester United West Ham. Obviously, West Ham took a, a 1 0 lead against a Man United team that were, um, I don't think I'm pulling any punches and saying bloody awful for 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, they then made a couple of substitutes at West Ham, kicked the ball out of play, scored an equaliser, and then went on to win the game. Um, I suppose apart from that, not very much happened. Uh, what did you guys think of that game? Uh, I mean, I'm not even unhappy because everybody knows West Ham were better. Like, like everybody knows that West Ham deserved to win and should have won. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a disgrace to the game of football. <laughs> Absolute disgrace. Um, I, like, I, I, know you, I know you're going to say, oh, he's taking it out of context, whatever, right? But, I mean, he says in the interview after... I'll be in one 0 down as an improvement on last week. Correct. Yeah, the numbers don't lie there. Well, it, it, two 0 no, down be, last week. Well, it's factually one correct better. indeed. Um, he's being like, I mean, he was being healed by everyone, and their well, maybe he wasn't, but it seemed like he was by everyone. And their granny for bringing on Bruno Fernandez and Marcus Rashford at halftime. Inspired. No, I have to say, boys. Um, they're clearly the two best players of the club. And I would actually say it's more incompetence on his part because Van de Beek started and then he had to get brought off again. It was a shame to say. Tough watch that. Saying yeah, he's, he's trying to show the reason why Donny doesn't play. We've all criticised yes. him now for his agenda against Donny. So now he has to force him to play some minutes on the football pitch to show us why he's left the right for so long. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will give you credit for is that... Um, and nobody's really talking about it. Dean Henderson makes a massive difference to them. Uh, I, I, I said last week he should have started from the start, and I now I think he should be England's goalkeeper of the Euros. I think he's brilliant. Well, there's not much competition there. <laughs> yeah, Pickford, Pickford conceded another shot from distance this week. I don't know if anybody clocked that one. Um, uh, Southgate South was there. Nick Pope yeah. was playing the same game. Yeah. You just oh, need someone he? halfway competent and they'll get minutes for well, England. Well, Chris, first of all, I want to compliment you on... Um, on the way you've handled that West Ham defeat, mm. you know, taking the aesthetic approach of we looked better. Um, yes. It's yep. always, you know, in my head, a valid argument and fair play to you. Um, your comment, I suppose, about, you know, critiquing Ollie because he, he said that they were only 1-0 down, which is an improvement. I mean, listen, things don't change overnight. You know, the journey of a thousand miles began with a single step. And, um, you know, this week he was only one down. Maybe next week he gets in at halftime at 0-0. Um, Incremental improvements. That's what Manchester United well, need. Well, what have I you mean, been I, reading this week? 
bit of Confucian, <laughs> Confucius. L- listen, listen. I just uh, you, you've got your um, got my your, proverb in. Um, the, <laughs> um, oh yes, I'd like to gently uh, point out, Darren, that um, Soscar has now been in charge longer than Jose Mourinho and Louis Van Gaal were at Man United, and both of those managers have won Champions Leagues and league titles in multiple countries with teams such as Bayern Munich, Inter Milan, Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, so I think he's probably had enough time now maybe to show a little bit more improvement than what they've done over the past two years. Jose also won a fake treble with Man United, I think you'll remember. Better, better than three semis to get knocked out of him. Listen, <laughs> listen the, main, the main issue with this game basically was that ma- match of the day has better VAR than VAR does. Yeah, um, I did see this. Um, yeah. So for context, Manchester United's equaliser, which was a goal scored by Paul Pogba outside the box, in the lead up to the goal, uh, Dean Henderson, the goalkeeper, uh, cleared the ball up the pitch. Uh, the ball... I think we can all agree now, went out of play while it was in the air and then mm. curled back into the pitch. Um, David Moyes uh, made it very clear from <laughs> as soon as the ball was kicked that that ball was out of play. Um, <laughs> the linesman didn't give it. Um, the linesman, not even that he just didn't give it, the linesman wasn't looking at it. Um, if you look, as soon as the ball's kicked, he's turning and he's got the high hands, the Tom Cruise high hands going as he's just <laughs> booking it up the touchline. Um, so he wasn't watching it at all. Um, and, and let play go on and obviously Manchester United scored from it so um, bit of controversy and, and match of the day were able to provide some sort of computer rendering that proved that the ball was by a considerable margin out of play Yes This is now Manchester United have won a game this season after the final whistle went mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. scored yep. a goal yep. after the ball went out of play Yeah, I just want to know what's next mm. Well days like, uh, my, my imagination like it's just running wild with what Man United can do to put the ball in the back of the net next week. Again, it would have been another great week for for Maiden Stockley, our reality TV show. Oh, <laughs> just that moment been, where the ball goes know. out, and then Moyes goes, "Well, I was in the best position for it, and I can tell you it was out." Yeah. <laughs> would have been good to see who's in charge of that one. I assume it wasn't David Cook because if it if it would have been no. him, I would have known it and uh, <laughs> ripping into it at this point. So I'm assuming it had to be somebody else. Uh, the problem that United have in general is that their players are, are up and down at the best of times. You look at last week, they brought mm. Cavani on. He inspired them to come back. And I think a lot of people quite quickly thought, okay, well, there's the solution. Cavani plays up front, gives them that focal point. They started him in the game against West Ham. They're thinking, hot run of form. He changes this United team. He was god-awful for 45 minutes. Did absolutely nothing, subbed off at half time. Um, so the, the problem that United have across the pitch is that players from week to week go from being good and you think, oh, well, this is the answer, this is the solution, they're making strides forward, to, oh, no, he's now being terrible again and United are back to square one. Yeah, I have to and say, then, what, what matter, what a ball. Well, this was going to say, Chris, he assisted Marcus Rashford's standard stat padding. <laughs> 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 had, he had two opportunities to do that. The first one he missed and then the second one goes in, chips it over the keeper. Good fair, play to, fair play to Ogbonna for keeping him well on side. <laughs> look to your left, look to your right, and then whenever you don't see any of your other defenders, get yeah. yourself up the pitch, fella. The, the imaginary rope, that's what I was told as a child. Yeah. In the back four, imaginary rope. Good, good, good to see Ogbonna celebrating his return to the Italy team with that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on guys um, North London Derby uh, big game Tottenham Arsenal um, kind of a little bit unusual in the way it played out 
Um, Spurs won the game 2-0 despite having um, you know kind of what we're now used to seeing them under Mourinho having where they had very little of the ball uh, they had less shots they had less everything um, <laughs> but the result never really looked in doubt at no yeah, point yeah I, I think I don't think Eric Dyer has got enough credit this season uh, which I never thought I would say um, he him and, and Toby is rolling back the years big Toby older viral um, they were they. I mean, I mean, they kind of showed it. Um, you know, in the clips, Arsenal's attack was pretty pathetic in its movement and things. They weren't really creating chances for all their their passing. But um, I get the impression that Mourinho absolutely loves Suzuko and Hoiberg because he has reinvented Suzuko into this um, combative CDM who kind of cleans up while Aurier runs about up the pitch, and Hoiberg just kind of struts about and. Cleans up um, in a similar way to Declan Rice as a West Ham, and they just just can Arsenal just couldn't get through. Well, they drop in the two of them, the, the two midfielders drop in beside the centre backs. Yes, and the benefit of it is that it leaves Son and Bergwijn, and usually in Dombele as well as Kane free. That then when they want to counter, they have those four players flying up the pitch. Um, so it is quite clever. And Hoiberg's such a Mourinho player. Oh, he like really he's, is. He's just yeah. so scummy, and you can just tell Mourinho loves it on the training ground. <laughs> loves it. <laughs> I suppose, you know, it was kind of a, a classic Arsenal in the way some of the goals went in. You looked at Thomas Partey sauntering off the pitch oh, yes. as Spurs counterattacked, um, leaving Lacelso free. Um, but did you see him try and run back on, though, Darren? Did yeah. He tried to, to run back on? Yeah, and you could see, obviously, he was injured. He took about four steps and then gave up. <laughs> um, he was pushed. I don't get what Arteta was trying to do. He's seen his man limp off and then pushed him back onto the pitch. Going, it's like, Michael, what's he going to do? He's useless. Yeah, I think but I think the bigger issue is, is when you look at Arsenal. Um, you know, Take the two Spurs goals aside, this team created nothing. They are dead last in the Premier League for chances created this season. They put... Huh? They are, yeah. I don't know the official number, but they took they put a million crosses into the box 44. this week, and they put a million crosses into the box last week, and none of them ever find an Arsenal player. It's just aimless, uh, and and it does beg the question: This team are struggling to create chances. If only they had a number ten who was maybe getting paid two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. <laughs> sitting somewhere in their squad who could come onto the pitch. You can't tell me. I don't care how bad this guy is. You cannot tell me that Mesut Ozil wouldn't at least offer something to Arsenal's attack based on the way they're playing at the moment. As well, he would at least... What Ozil did whenever he was in the team and Arsenal weren't winning or he wasn't playing well, at least that gives Arsenal fans something to focus their negative energy on. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we can now sit and sit, like now they're like hurling abuse at their best players. Like Tierney was in for a bit of criticism, Obama's in for a bit of criticism. Those aren't the guys you want to shout at. Those are the guys you want to to put an arm around, cuddle, keep them at the club, keep them happy. Whereas at least with Mezzi, you just knew if there was any criticism his way, it didn't really affect him. He was going to go home and play Fortnite. Something I thought was interesting, actually, they were talking about this a lot after the game in the Sky Studio. Uh, and, and it was on? So it was um, Alex Scott, um, who yep. is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best pundit that Sky Sports have. Um, there was Graham Sunez and Jamie Redknapp was chirping in from the, from the pitch. Redknapp was so strange well, this in his is, role. Well, this, <laughs> yeah, but this is what I'm going to mention. Jamie went on a full thing about... 
uh, well, I don't think this Spurs team will be very fun to play in or whatever. Jimmy, with the greatest respect in the world, your job's not really meant to be fun, to be completely honest. These lads are top of the league. Can we, you know, bring it back to reality a little bit? I I tell you what, they're there to win football games. Yeah, I'll tell you what, would be fun lifting the Premier League trophy. That'll yeah, be fun. exactly, Chris. That's exactly my thoughts. It's whenever he was like comparing himself to Lo Celso. He's like, Lo Celso's one of these players, a real flair player, loves to get on the ball, plenty of touches, make things happen. You're going, Jimmy, I imagine he's happy enough to be winning football matches. Yeah. What rights does Lo Celso have to stake any claim? <laughs> well, that's what I thought. I was like, I've never seen that out of Lo Celso. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the... The point, you know, football's not meant to be fun. Your job is to win games, (laughs) no matter how you do it. Uh, I thought that was an interesting one from Jamie. Um, Key moment, Darren, for you. I was was surprised we didn't hear this from you actually yesterday. I thought you would have picked up on this straight away. This season so far, Hector Bellerin with his foul throws. Well, he, he he does them every week. Hector's had five this He's season. had five. No, he, <laughs> called five? Call, he's been yeah, called, called for, five. for five. God knows how many others he actually does have. I mean, in his defence, he's not the only one. I mean, you know, even this weekend in, in the Wolves-Liverpool game, there was a couple of dodgy throws from both teams that came in. It, it's the most frustrating thing about football for me. Um, I want to start seeing this call because, as you guys know, I played a little bit of amateur football. Uh, and it's like the most rigorously enforced rule. Like oh, yeah. There's tackles flying in all over the show. Referees don't give a toss. But God, if you don't throw the ball onto the pitch correctly, he will call you for it every single time. <laughs> yeah, versus a Premier League level, they assume these lads know how to take one when they actually don't. No, it's terrible. You could, get it, you could kick it onto the pitch in the Premier League and they're not going to call you for it. Oh, that's one of Arsene Wenger's rules he wants to bring in. Don't start that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, someone needs to give Roy Delap a ring. Just get him in. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on, I suppose uh, Chelsea versus Leeds, 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 Leeds. Dirty Leeds. Um, I was, uh, I was loving the, the the montages that were coming up before the game of like Hasselbank and Lasso like two fitting each other in like two thousand and two and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I yeah, didn't really realize. That, I didn't realize this game was a was a rivalry. Um, <laughs> so I said, well, well Darren, Leeds are in the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. Yeah, so, so I mean, I have no recollection of what Leeds were like before other than like the old bit, yeah, well, and Harry Keele. Well, um, I was there at the last Chelsea-Leeds game at Ellen Road, I think, were 2012. And it was, oh, in, it was in the right. League Cup. And oh, I remember right. the chant of shoot the Chelsea scum being sung. <laughs> Which I think tells you everything you need to know about this rivalry. I don't like that. I don't like that <laughs> no. at all. At times you did think this is going to boil over here. Yeah. Was I mean, Warnock like, the manager at the time? I can't actually remember who was the Must manager. Like, I can't even remember who the Chelsea, Chelsea manager I actually think was Rafa. <laughs> but I, I, bit, I think I Chelsea on that day. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea that day won 5 1, so it didn't really matter. Speaking of um, some chants from the crowd in Chelsea Leeds games, I was actually very impressed with the the number of Chelsea fans that came into the stadium. I mean, you and I know Chelsea fans. I think get a bit of a bad rep at times, obviously for um, you know they're kind of lumped into that conversation, like with Arsenal at times that it can be a little bit quiet at the bridge and whatever. And I think that's a little bit unfair. Um, but you, Bailey, you and I have been to Stamford Bridge. Yep. Um, oh, you've been, been there? I have. I went and saw uh, Liverpool Chelsea with Bailey oh, right. a few years ago and um, I, I wouldn't have said that it was quiet but I would have questioned some of the, the creativity from Chelsea fans <laughs> that for 90 minutes... It's been market. No, well not even that. I just, you know, for 90 minutes their chants are 
Chelsea, Chelsea, oh, Chelsea, Chelsea, like Chelsea. It's like, you know, let's get a few different words in. Um, you know, these people are from, you know, a very affluent part of London. I imagine Why? pretty well educated. We could come up with something better. Honestly, um, I was so happy to hear that chant again. <laughs> I love how much it annoys people as well. Just to hear one word repeated. <laughs> you know, but what I, what I thought they did deserve credit for was the treatment that they gave Lorente. Uh, yes. The Leeds defender. The Leeds centre back, who I think went down under very minimal contact at one point from Giroud, uh, holding himself like he was seriously wounded. Um, and then was told, obviously, to get up and get on with the game. And, and it was sort of that toxic masculinity from the Chelsea crowd who then, instead of booing him, which would be the normal reaction, uh, made high pitched shrieks to let him know that they thought he was a big girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, any any half decent manager would have looked at that and seen seen a guy making his debut being taunted by the fans <laughs> that are back and protected the guy by taking him off. Mm-hmm. But Bielsa didn't bother. No. Oh no, I also loved as well. Oh, came um, Bielsa Bielsa's reaction. I don't know if you saw this to um, Dallas to Stuart Dallas falling yeah. over. Yeah, I I actually noticed <laughs> this. Um, yeah, Bielsa has the same reaction to Dallas that I have anytime I watch him put on a green shirt for Northern Ireland. Oh, Bailey, <laughs> come on! <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, let, I mean, let, let's get it straight. Bamford's gloves negated his goal. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> it is I mean, December. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Date? The guy's acceptable. I think December. You have to say it's probably acceptable. I once saw Daniel Sturridge turn up in September with them, and I thought this isn't on. I mean, I mean, Darren, like the they're playing it in the Premier League. It's not as if you're like your heart rate is going to be so low <laughs> that sweat isn't going to be breaking out as you're you're doing your exercises here. Well, I did actually like, see. Speaking of the cold, I saw Hamas Rodriguez. Uh, right before kickoff in in the Everton game, was kind of looking around him like, "What on earth have I done signing for a team based in Merseyside?" Uh, his face was white as a sheet, and he couldn't he couldn't rub his hands fast enough. I suppose we should touch on the game. Um, Chelsea, I mean, a really good result. I think if you know that was probably a game going into it that I suppose everybody when they play Leeds kind of worry a little bit. Yeah. It's just weird when you look at like where they are on the league table. They're fourteenth. They I think they've well, lost six times. And it goes yeah. back to the conversation I think we had the very first episode of this podcast where we talked about the way they play being unsustainable and we pride them for them, whatever, but we did say, you know, it's it's hit or miss. Yeah, this is the point in the season where you don't want to get them because it's first half of the season and normally at this point they're okay come from about February onwards, take them. Burnout. Because, because the hamstrings will go, everything will start to go. Mm. And then even this week, again, Chelsea are the first team to actually outrun Leeds. I think it's a bit of a myth, all this at Leeds. Ach, Bailey. So I think there's there's a bit of a myth about the whole Bielsa thing. We'll get on to that later. But yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're gettable. I think they're gettable in every game. They throw well, numbers forward. Which, and don't get me wrong, listen... I, in the championship, of course, they're gettable. But, you know, I've criticised a lot, you know, of matches that I've seen this year because they've been boring and whatever. And what I will say is, you know, when you watch Leeds, it is a good watch. And, yeah. and that's something right. that you can't say about most of the teams in the Premier League this year. Um, but in terms of, you know, the game's a results-based game. And are Leeds good enough to do that every week against, you know, the, some of the best teams in the world, which is, you know, who they're playing in the league? No, I, I still think it's a little bit naive. 
Their keeper is also not good enough. Oh, well, well, we still don't understand the keeper. Yeah, the the guy gives the ball away far too much. He got angry at the defenders when he did it as well. (laughs) Well, that's that's the first rule of goalkeeping. It's never your fault. Point point the finger. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for for me also, um, Olivier Giroud is starting to become, for me, in my eyes, possibly the most underrated player in Premier League history. Well, Patrice Ever took it a step further. Yeah, Patrice had glowing praise for Olivier Giroud, the best striker at Chelsea. If he do, he doesn't care what football club you are in the world, if you have Olivier Giroud, you start Olivier Giroud. Um, yeah. And and also brought up that um, the only reason that he doesn't get the praise that he deserves and the reason that he's underrated is because his name is Giroud. And said that if he changed his name to Giroudinho, uh, everybody would love him. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I did hear that and thought, oh, all right, Patrice. Uh, there's you, something to, there's something to the underrated comments though. I get why, because if you watching the guy week in week out at a club, and Arsenal fans will will know as much as I do. There's times where you watch Olivier and he'll get nowhere near the target. <laughs> if you type in the YouTube right. Giroud versus Monaco. Arsenal fans still have nightmares over this <laughs> performance. And I was looking at it earlier. We'll bring it back to our good friend, Maisout. If you look at the uh, 2015-16 season, with 21 Leicester. games to go, the Leicester season, with 21 games to go, Maisout Ozil had 15 assists, 5 of Terry Henry's record of 20. And he didn't break the record because who was he passing the football to? Olivier Giroud. <laughs> but but I mean the goals he scored doesn't really lie though. Like and you can't argue with what he gives. Like is it, listen, is, is Olivier Giroud the best footballer in the world? Of course he isn't. But he does a job. He puts the ball in the net, and you can never really fault what he gives you. Yeah, um, up there is he quick? No. Um, no. <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks I'm nuts. He won the World Cup for France. I've said that before. I've said that he didn't score a goal, but he won the World Cup for France. I've said that yes. many times. I would stand by it. A France team so is pretty good. Yeah, he didn't start the first game. Whenever the brick wall that Mbappe and Griezmann are passing off, it's a, it's an easy. It's the job. balance building. It's the balance building. <laughs> and a Paul Pogba, who's very good for France. Yes, you said indeed, earlier, Darren. Indeed. Whenever he's. <laughs> Whenever he's enjoying himself out there. Uh, Absolutely. Bailey, obviously, uh, you know, we'd be remiss not to give you the opportunity after a a very strong Chelsea win and and pleasing the the Chelsea fans who listen to this podcast with some Mason Mount propaganda, if you would like to to run with that. Another man of the match performance from Mason. Mason on Saturday night created seven chances against Leeds, which no Chelsea player over the past five seasons has created more in a game. Not even Eden Hazard. Mm. What a game from Mason. He's starting. Yeah. This is a funny thing on Chelsea Twitter, where there's a lot of accounts going quiet right now. <laughs> so there is. There's a lot of accounts haven't tweeted for about a month because of the performances Mason's been putting in. And then we'll see it in a couple of months whenever he goes to England, because the England fan base is obviously different than Chelsea's. The abuse will pick up again. Yeah. But well, another yeah. another great performance from the lad. I think a lot of the stick that he'll get from the national team is because he's not the most relatable character in the world. You look at him, you get coach's son vibes. Mm. Uh, um, so you do. And uh, I, I I like the guy, but I have to say this soul patch thing that he's grown on his face. And he, he's got like a tuft of facial hair right at the bottom oh. of his chin. And well, it's he not needs, as bad as the guys. He needs to shave it off. <laughs> 
And just while we're on Chelsea players' appearances, I want to note that ever since he went blonde, Rhys James's game has gone to another level. And I don't know if it's just to do with the hair. Blondes have always had fun. that potential. The Blonde. guy's been fantastic he always since had that he went potential. blonde. Yeah, blondes have more fun. So that's what I say. Definitely with his team in front of him. I suppose ju- uh, just to finish on this game, uh, talking about Leeds, like where do you guys see Leeds finishing this season? They're currently 14th. They're only one point ahead of Arsenal, who have been <laughs> criticised a lot for how terrible they are. Leeds kind of, I don't want to suggest to the same extent, but Chris, you've talked about how Brighton get, you think, sorry, Brighton get a little bit of a free <laughs> ride because they play nice football, but they don't get any results. Um, Leeds play really attractive stuff it's good to watch but i think they've been beaten six times i'd love to see them go down <laughs> well they're not they listen they're dying. not in danger of going down they're not, going down. Yeah. They're not in danger of going down there's a few teams who are searched to go down and we will talk about them later <laughs> um i mean they'll finish like 14th yeah i mean like you know like they're, they're not they're, they're consolidating i don't think they put like i think the tactics are really good but the, the quality of player is not at the level where they can push on like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you, you know, you can say the goalkeepers and the defenders are very yeah, there's, questionable. There's a lot of championship players in that 11. Yeah, but yeah. the players like Calvin Phillips are really good and, you know, and Rodrigo. But, you know, you look, they went out and signed, is it Rodrigo? Raf- Raf- Rafinha, he looks quite um, good. Yeah. Rafinha does look quite good. Um, but uh, Rodrigo, I think, was their record signing, right? Yeah, but Bamford's kept my other team down. So. Yeah, he has. He has. You know, speaking, I actually was talking to Bailey about a few weeks ago on this podcast. I think he compared uh, Timo Werner and called him a German Vardy. Um, <laughs> Timo's an interesting one for me because every time I watch him, I, I think that, you know, it, it's a little bit disrespectful to Vardy to be saying that Werner is, is a German Vardy. He strikes me as a German Bamford. He needs, he needs five to get one. He needs five shots to get one goal. <laughs> Uh, the guy just can't buy one at times. Yeah, that, that one he hit off the was it hit off the bar from a yard. What, what was that? It was, well, the one the that bar. he blocked it. He blocked. Sorry, he blocked, he blocked it, yeah. a goalward header, and then tried to kick it in himself and hit the bar. Um, <laughs> in the second half, he missed the sitter. If you go back a few weeks ago, there was the pass that Ziyech put him through one on one. He chipped it over the keeper and out for a, a goal kick. Yeah. It's like he's a he's he's a German Bamford. Yeah, Vardy, Vardy is much more clinical than that. <laughs> You'll be alright. It's it's okay whenever Zuma's bailing him out every other week. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those, I can give him, it's December and I can laugh about it right now. <laughs> but the guy needs to start putting those away. Because title. I imagine his expected goals are much higher than his actual goals yeah. if you started looking down that rabbit hole. He's the type of guy that like when he goes through one-on-one, I remember seeing him uh, last year for Leipzig right after he signed for Chelsea. Do you remember the, the game that he played after the transfer was confirmed? <laughs> yeah. He went one-on-one with the keeper with literally 40 yards of space ahead of him. And as he dribbled closer and closer to the, to the net, the longer it went on, the less confidence he had in putting it away. And then he blazed it over the crossbar one-on-one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, yeah, he's, uh, listen, I like him and, and I think long term, oh, you know, good. he'll obviously yeah. get better as he gets used to the speed of the Premier League and stuff. But at the, the moment, even his face at times, you can tell, like, he gets a bit pissed off. He's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I should. Whenever you're thinking as a striker, I should have scored. And that's kind of in your head quite a lot. I imagine that would start just to sort of snap at you a little bit and snap at your mental psyche. Joint top scorer with four. At Chelsea. Who is he? So with Tambo? With Kurt Zuma. 
Kurt <laughs> That's Kurt interesting, Zuma. actually, because Chelsea, Chelsea are the highest scorers. Chelsea are the highest scorers, have had 13 different goal scorers. Well, that's good. And, that's what you and want. And their top two goal scorers are on four. Yeah, well, that's good. That's what you want. That shows they're not over-reliant yeah, on anybody. It's been, been shared about at the minute, clearly a bit of depth to the team. But yeah, it is quite funny. If you look at, like, Kane and Son, those guys mm. are scoring every week. Chelsea have four. Yeah, well, Mendy's first mistake. I think Arsenal would kill for a couple of players to get four. <laughs> yeah. um, I suppose you know, moving on, there was a few other games this weekend. Nothing massively happened in in, in them, but uh, I suppose we'll we'll quickly run through those. And if you guys have any points that you want to bring up yeah. in any of the games, please feel free to do so. Uh, Man City, Fulham, uh, City went two 0 looked pretty good, but they were playing only Fulham. Yeah. Uh, Leicester, Sheffield United, Leicester won 2-1, looked pretty good, but they were only playing Sheffield. Uh, and <laughs> One point. <laughs> and, uh, and Liverpool, Liverpool played Wills and, and probably put in their best performance of the season, uh, winning, winning 4-0. Uh, um, any of those, any interest to, the, to you, Tim? I, I, well, I have a few. First of all, um, Liverpool are way, way less stressful to watch when you're, this guy Kelleher is now instead of Adrian. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? So it's like Quiven? 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 You're ahead of pronunciation. The most Irish name I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, he looks all right. It's quite good. I completely agree. He needs to cut yeah. the hair. I don't like that it seems to go yeah. near his eyes. As a goalkeeper, yeah. I would like to see that high and tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get on my haircut, you can set your watch to. <laughs> Yeah, are the scissors in his house broken? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently he used to play. Um, apparently he played outfield for much of his youth career. He used to be a striker, right. and the suggestion is that um, Klopp's brought him into the Liverpool team. The line that Klopp was saying was because he's so composed and good on the ball, as opposed to Adrian's a car crash, <laughs> um, which I thought was nice hearing to do. Um, but no, I, I thought they were very good. I thought the best thing about the Liverpool Wolves game was on. Uh, no free promo Amazon this week. Um, oh, yeah. So best coverage was, in the game. And, well, the, 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 I wouldn't say the coverage is the best, <laughs> but what way, I will say, <laughs> and what we, we all had this conversation at the weekend, we talked about um, Ali McCoist and Clive Tilsley is just a dream commentary duo. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Ali commentates on games like he's watching them in a pub, and it's, <laughs> it's the most relatable commentary. <laughs> It's the most enjoyable commentary. He doesn't try and be fancy. He doesn't try to do anything above his pay grade. He just watches the game. When someone does something good, you know, he lets you know that it was good. I'd take an alley any day of the week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just show I mean, him I, videos of nutmegs. He does yeah. love a nutmeg. Oh, Let's be honest, he is riding Rangers being 13 points clear Celtic. I mean, that, that's what's informing his mood right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but also the nutmegs, because <laughs> unlike on Sky, where Gary Neville wants to see replays of Kyle Walker having to track back from <laughs> the opposition's box Ali's just going like he says doesn't even turn away from the mic he just goes producer can we see that again <laughs> oh, oh is this it is this it <laughs> so he does yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does he, comment, he, he honestly commentates on it like he's just sitting in a pub It and it's it is the best it is yeah the best. rather than like Gary Neville's nonsense this weekend where at one point he tried to claim Harry Kane could play centre back <laughs> it's like, it's like Gary 
wise up with that analysis and just <laughs> do what Ali does and laugh. <laughs> well, there was there was a quote at one point during. I, I think what's quite good about the commentary is that um, with Ali and, and certainly with Clive, and I know we only saw it for ninety minutes, but it did come off as very conversational. It was friendly. It was almost podcast like. And uh, there was a quote from Ali McCoy where he described himself as the European champion of throwing the toys out of the pram. <laughs> 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 you know, and that, I think that it's just it's relatable. It's it's like watching a game with your mates, and I think that's the yeah. way that coverage needs to go. Yeah, um, it's also not the forced banter of Sky, yeah. where like someone makes a joke and it's immediately on YouTube and Twitter being like hilarious banter on Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Must watch. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get the clicks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, some poor placement students monitoring on the clicks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to say about that game, Connor Cody, the scouser himself, big diver. What I mean, I mean, I, a lot of things went wrong for him. Yes, um, f- first goal, start there. Oh. He... First goal, Jordan Henderson plays a pretty aimless ball into a pretty crowded area, and it's one of those where you kind of think that's a player playing against you know he was a boyhood liverpool fan he he came through the liverpool academy and yeah and you just think if he was playing at any other ground against any other team he heads that ball away every <laughs> it's you just get the impression that he only tries to chest this down because for some reason it's liverpool for some reason it's at anfield and he's like i'm going to chest it down and play out and show how composed i am makes a dog's dinner of it and and you just don't arse around when you've got salah and mané yeah. and co running in behind um and he did and um it was unfortunate for him liverpool went 1-0 up and and um and never really looked back from there liverpool hit them on the counter for the second um and uh, scored from a corner for the third, and, and then uh, scored a Trent Alexander Arnold whipped cross. And for, yeah, for the, Trent yeah, will be raging. Yeah. He doesn't get the stat. There. He will be as uh, because <laughs> he's been injured. So obviously he's been um, struggling in that competition that he has with Robbo for for most assists, which is yeah, <laughs> um, yeah robbed yeah. of one there. Uh, I, I suppose you know touching on a couple of the other games the, mm. the Man City Fulham game the Leicester Sheffield United Man City kind of quietly getting back into their groove Ugh. under the radar bit, right. I think I mean they played the whole second half in second gear they got their two goals and yeah. they were like okay we've won this game well it's just um, De Bruyne isn't it you know, yeah you could say Mario's. that they were trying to protect their players legs obviously in the in the fixture congestion but then they didn't use any subs again this week again from Pep Guardiola uh, with what you would say is probably one of the deepest squads in the league yeah, yeah. and he doesn't bother and it's, no, it's <laughs> no subs no subs um yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not going to say Fulham are down. Um, <laughs> the, well, here's here's what I think about Fulham. Fulham play Liverpool this week, and I know I've Mr. Spoke them into a victory this year. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I can say Fulham are down for 11 straight weeks in this pod without Fulham uh, beating Liverpool this week. Loftus Cheek Masterclass in common. Yeah, big team, big Zambo Anyway, um, I have to say, though, I abs- like I love Sheffield United. I thought they were class last year. I love them. Love Wilder. <laughs> But I have to say, Vardy scoring that. So uh, the context is Vardy grew up in Sheffield, big Sheffield Wednesday fan. Scores the winner in the last minute because Fleck loses the ball. Uh, scores the goal and then decides to snap in half the corner flag in a celebration. It was glorious. Big smick. <laughs> Not just getting I'd, on like that. They're, 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 like. It just it staggers me that there's still people who think 
Jamie Vardy's not that good. He's, he's not that good. Uh, you he's, know, he's good, but then goes and does that. Like this guy's a dad. <laughs> Getting on like that. He's he's also husband of someone who's uh, in, in the news quite a lot. Um, I think in general, though, I mean, two one probably flattered Sheffield United a little bit. Leicester hit the post twice in the first half. Um, the goalkeeper is. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to go as far as say he's terrible, but I mean, he is the problem. He's not a Premier League goal. Well, he's not the only problem. Yeah. No, um, but he's, he's a massive because it was Henderson before. Like, he's a uh, yeah, massive yeah, part of, of the course, problem. Like, of course, but they they don't. They really struggle <laughs> to put the ball in the back of the net. Well, yeah, they really they, struggle. Burnley, yeah, just to say before we go into in the the um, in the Burnley Everton game, um, we had our, our weekly Lineker clanger um, <laughs> again. Um, so with Gareth Southgate in the stand, as I said earlier, um, and Pickford conceding from Robbie Brady outside of the box when he had about a minute to dive and save it, um, Linger claimed at the end that it was honours even between the two goalkeepers. <laughs> so, uh, so there we are. Pickford is as good as Nick Pope. You have it first from someone who's paid 1.7 million. <laughs> I suppose Everton's decline's sort of flown under the radar. This team were top of the league and were dancing on people a few months ago. It's the injuries, isn't it? And, uh, Spirit of the Blues. And Calvert-Lewin can't stop, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's just been no real mention of, of their sort of very well, quick slide down the table. I, th- I think there's something in James Rodriguez not being as good as the dignity. It doesn't strike me as a player who would play well in the cold. I imagine he. I imagine he'll be like the best player in the league between September or sort of August, September, and then again sort of April, May. Yeah. But I think yeah. those months in the middle, I think Hamez is really going to struggle. Yeah, like, like I mean, we're starting to see why he didn't really cut out the Bernaboy or the Allianz. I mean, the, I mean, the whole guy's career is predicated on a goal at the twenty fourteen World Cup. Like, let's be honest. He's a central like, midfield Kieran Trippier. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he's not the not the first player whose reputation was inflated by a performance in a World Cup. Is that is that him that in the mud? <laughs> <laughs> he's well into it. Well, Chris, uh, firstly, good mention of Gary Lineker there. Oh, uh, oh, oh is, he, is he involved? Well, it, we're going to pick up on his brother Wayne just for, <laughs> just, for a, just for a quick update. I actually, missed this last week. Has he's he found back. love? He's back. Well, he's not found love, but he's still trying, Darren. Okay. So in a desperate cash grab, given the fact that his clubs weren't able to open this year, uh, Wayne has signed himself up for Celebs Go Dating on E4. Has he? Wayne will be alongside Curtis Pritchard, Chloe Ferry, Sophie Herman, Kareem Zeroal, and Tom Zanetti, not related to that Zanetti, (laughs) all looking for love in London. We all know all of those people. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I have to say I literally don't know any of those people you've just I'm heard. exactly the same I seen the surname Zanetti and got halfway excited and then went nah and the then, I, I, player. I, I, I think the guy's a DJ right okay. so he is but yeah, just, just so everyone knows what Wayne's actually up to I suppose yep. that you got to praise him for you know he's kind of spoke that into existence hmm. a few months ago we were laughing at him because he put an Instagram post out saying he's looking for love and now he's getting paid to find it yeah it's not bad. Better. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Uh, but so, on to the real in the mud. And I briefly mentioned it last week, but then didn't want to scud Chelsea, the FIFA shortlist for Coach of the Year. Oh, yes. So it was Jurgen Klopp, Premier League winner. Zinedine Zidane, Darren's favourite, and La Liga winner. Yuck. Fraud. <laughs> Lopetegui, Europa League winner. 
uh, Hansi Flick for winning the Bundesliga and the Champions League, and Marcelo Bielsa for winning the championship with 93 points at Leeds United. So, I want to disprove the Bielsa myth, because I don't know about you two, I'd never heard of the guy before he joined Leeds. Well, as you know, oh. I don't acknowledge anybody until they make it to the Premier League. Well, oh, we're, we're going to have an argument here. We're going to have an so argument you've only here. found out about him. I've only, only learned about him very recently, yeah. Uh, so, I'll skip over the first eight years of the guy's managerial career, because he spent it in South America. Doesn't and count. And as we know, yeah, if it doesn't happen in Europe, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's like, Pel- it's like Pele's goals. Who knows yeah. what goes on down there? Exactly. He's claiming a thousand goals. We can only imagine what Bielsa tried to claim down yeah, there. Bielsa, 100% win rate. I wouldn't question it. Yeah, pro- probably did. So his first proper job in management, he it was at Espanyol in 1998, where he lasted two seconds because he was then offered the Argentina job and took that, so didn't manage a single game for Espanyol. Uh, for Argentina, he won the qualification for the 2002 World Cup, but didn't progress throughout the first knockout round. But he would win a gold medal at the Olympics in a team that had Willy Caballero, Tevez, Mascherano, Heinze and Colaccini. He would then move on to Chile in 2007. Under uh, At his time there, they suffered their worst ever defeat when playing at home, losing 3-0 to Paraguay. This is very selective, Bailey. I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest. <laughs> this low was then followed by a 3-0 loss to Brazil, which marked the first time uh, Chile had lost at home to Brazil in 50 years. But he did bring Chile to two World Cups after uh, two absences, so he was a popular figure there. Uh, his appointment actually brought uh, visible changes to it, bringing through a lot of young, fast attackers, attacking mindsets, similar to the way he is at Leeds. Uh, there was at one point rumours that Bielsa wouldn't continue to lead Chile after finishing their campaign at the World Cup, and Chile fans campaigned to keep him there with the movement titled Bielsa is not leaving. <laughs> Chile reached the round of 16 in the World Cup where they were eliminated by Brazil. After this, he would move on to Atletico Bilbao in 2011. And this is where apparently he became got hit this cult status. And... Yeah. He did, really. Well, when at Bilbao, he reached in his first year. He reached two finals. Atletico would lose the first one to Atletico Madrid in the Europa League final, three 0 and the second in the Copa del Rey final, where he would also lose three 0 to Barcelona. His second season, they would finish twelfth, and his contract was not renewed. And this begins an unbelievable period in the guy's career. <laughs> So he would move on to Marseille in 2014. He would finish fourth in his first season. Pretty respectable. But then he would resign one week into the second season after a contract dispute. The guy would then move on to Lazio in 2016. Lazio, I think, is my my favourite for the great fraud. Uh, He was appointed manager on the 6th of July. However, two days later, on the 8th, Bielsa quit as manager, prompting Lazio to issue legal action for a breach of contract, suing him for 50 million euros. Bielsa later explained that the club had been unable to recruit the players that he had wanted by the deadline he had given the club and did not feel his needs would be supported during the transfer window. That's two days. Two days of a deadline he gave this club. 
he would then move on to Lille in 2017 <laughs> after that two days and a year-long sabbatical that he clearly needed. Uh, it's, and Lille's another fun one. So on the 24th of May 2017, he was unveiled as the manager on a two-year deal. On the 22nd of November 2017, he was suspended as coach after just 13 league games in charge with uh, Leila announcing he had been suspended momentarily as coach pending further announcement. After his initial suspension, Leila appointed a four-man technical coaching unit, which actually includes uh, Jose Mourinho's current assistant, yes. Jai Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the 15th of December 2017, Leila announced Bielsa's contract had now been terminated. Uh, Christophe Gatlier was announced as his replacement on the 29th of December 2017, and the sporting advisor revealed after Bielsa left that he felt the decision uh, was made to let some of the experienced players get back into the team after Bielsa kicked them all out. So... That then just brings us to Leeds United. Now, in Bielsa's first season at Leeds, they were top of the table at Christmas by some margin. And in one of the all-time choke jobs, did not get promoted. They also failed to sign Dan James in the January transfer window in one of the great documentary moments of Tables Home at Leeds United on Amazon Prime. And then would famously be beaten by Frank Lampard's Derby in the playoffs. And to put that into perspective, the state of Derby, the season after, uh, Derby finished 10th, and this season are currently sitting second bottom. <laughs> but it's alright, because Marcelo took two attempts to take that Leeds team to the Premier League, and that is all of a sudden some way to get yourself oh, uh, nominated for Coach of the Year, one of the great all-time propaganda machines. Oh, Bailey. So... Uh, first of all, thanks for that, Bailey, and I think Chris has some words, so I have a couple of very quick points. First of all, number one, congratulations to uh, Bielsa on the nomination for Coach of the Year. Uh, Secondly, the Olympics mean absolutely nothing in football. Nothing in football. Nothing Nothing. in football. And third, it's actually pronounced Chile. (laughs) Is that what we're going to think of? Oh, right. I'll be, I mean, I'll be, I'll be brief, but that was very silly. No, Bill, you're absolutely right. Like, of course, he shouldn't be on the list. And yes, he's not won the honours that um, you may expect that he would win with his reputation. And then Bilbao only have players from that region of Spain, which means yep. they're always hindered in that way. So to get to the Europa League final in the Copa del Rey, that was very impressive. And get smacked in both. Uh, <laughs> he is, of course, known as a people like Pochettino, Pep Guardiola's um, the person they look up to, uh, you know, in the coaching philosophy. Chile did go on to win the 2015 and 16 Copa America after he um, set them up. Um, well, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, well, I think you're clutching at straws. Yeah, there, that's like hey, that's of like you can't give, to, like the Spurs. Or yeah, like, oh, Pochettino done this. You can't give him credit for a <laughs> no, job somebody else did. I, I would remind you, right, that Leeds were once one of the great teams in English football. Yeah, they were decimated, ended up in League One, and took 16 years to get back to the Premier League, and so many managers couldn't do it, and he did it. No, I, second yeah. go. Second go. Well, this is the thing as well. So if we look down the last few seasons of the championship, because I thought you would bring this up, Chris, Leeds <laughs> finished this season, or the season Pre-empted. came up with 93 points. Yeah. The season before, Norwich finished, finished with 94. 
The year before that, Wolves finished with 99. Burnley in 2015 finished with the same number of points Leeds did last year. Two two teams get promoted automatically. But but none of those managers were nominated for Coach of the Year. It's the the way it's done. It's It's the way it's done. (laughs) The the formation at Chile was 3-1-3-3. You know, like... That means means nothing, Christopher. Listen, (laughs) it's absolutely nothing. Yeah, you get an extra goal. You don't get a nomination for being a coach of the year. No, I'm not defending the nomination. I'm defending the tarnishing of one of the great coaches of the game. And and I'm fine with saying with with you doing that, Christopher. I think that's completely valid. Uh, What I'll say is, I had never heard of this guy until Pep Guardiola said that he looked up to him. Uh, Well, this is the thing. So it strikes me as you know, if Pep hadn't said that, does he get a nomination for coach of the year? Probably not. Uh, Uh, It's the weight that Pep carries in the world of football. Um, guys, listen, I think that, that pretty much brings us uh, to the end this week. Um, thanks very much for your time. I think the, the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty busy. A lot of football on during the, the busy festive period. Too and, much um, Too much football is correct. But uh, we'll be here every week um, bringing people our, our thoughts over the Christmas period. Um, just, one, just before we finish, Darren, I'd just like to point out to everyone that um, the game's about to finish. The score is Brighton 1, Southampton 2. Cheers, Jeff. I don't want to make any comment about that. I'm just, just going to objectively <laughs> put that out there. Thank you for doing that. No worries. Same uh, time. I haven't, obviously haven't seen it because we're recording live, but I can assume Brighton played really well. <laughs> A lot of good football. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, guys. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>